Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Well, good morning, City Life Church. As you can see, I'm not here with you today. Uh, I'm actually at my house, and the reason is I've just not been feeling wonderful the past few days. Uh, physically, I felt a little bit down, and I certainly didn't want to come and be in the group setting when I just wasn't feeling quite right. Normally, normally what I would do is I just avoid contact with people, and but I, I just want to be extra sensitive to you and to everyone else. So I am doing this from my house today. Today I'm preaching to you from my house. Now, I want to let you know at the very end of the message today, we are going to be doing communion. So uh, in the auditorium, I know you guys already received communion on your way in. If you've not yet received communion, lift your hand and keep it held up here for a few minutes until an usher brings you your communion. Also, if you're at home, uh, I encourage you to get some communion elements. Uh, some Anything would work, and, and just so that you can have something to commune, to, uh, commune with God and with your church as we do this together. So it's a very special time that we typically do the first Sunday of every month. So look forward to communion at the end of today's message. Now, I'd like for you to get your Bibles and your notes out. In fact, you really need to follow along in your Bibles today. Uh, because this is this is coming from my house, I don't know if we're going to have the little stuff at the bottom of the screen that tells you what I'm saying or giving you the main points today. If it works, great. If not, it's no big deal. Life's tough, right? <laughs> so we'll, we'll be just fine with that. But, but I want you to look into God's Word today, and I want you to have your notes out to jot a few things down, because if God is speaking to you, you want to be able to capture the unique words God's saying to you and to write it down so you can come back to it for reference. So today's message is entitled, Faithful in Persecution. Uh, this comes from my series that I started last week from the book of Revelation. Uh, in the book of Revelation, Jesus appears to the apostle John and tells him to write this document. The document that he told him to write was what we call, or it's entitled now, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, we also just quite often call it the book of Revelation, not Revelations, but the book of Revelation, because it is ultimately the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, he was told to write this, uh, this document to seven pastors, seven pastors of seven different churches that were in Asia Minor. And as we learned last week, uh, he refers to them as angels, which means messengers. He also, Jesus says that he had these seven stars in one hand and seven candlesticks in the other. And the seven candlesticks were the seven churches. The seven stars were actually the seven pastors of these churches. And so what he gives to all of these seven churches and these pastors are warnings and wisdom to navigate end time issues. At the very end of the age, there are going to be issues that the church is facing, and these seven churches uh, illustrate to us, these were real churches and with real issues, but they illustrate to us the seven issues that churches will be facing, along with the seven warnings and the wisdom that we have in uh, doing church and being Christians at the end of the age. So this is rich stuff, all right? Uh, last week, we talked about the church that was in Ephesus. Today, I'm talking about the second church, which is a, which Paul addresses, actually Jesus addresses, and that's the church in a city called Smyrna. 
Smyrna was another city, is a port city in Asia Minor. In fact, uh, Homer, the poet, uh, was actually from there. It's a very, it's a city full of culture, very rich with culture. So get your Bibles open to uh, the book of Revelation, chapter number 2, verse 8. Revelation 2, 8. Hold your place there because we're going to read through it, and then I'm going to come back through it again verse by verse. Now, I just want to be really honest with you. Today's teaching is not really a uh, an easy teaching, I guess you could say. It's it's a teaching that I want you to file away in your heart uh, because there's no doubt in my mind that what Jesus spoke to Smyrna and what actually happened in Smyrna is what will happen and is happening in the church today. I believe this, and this is, I'm not here to try to scare you or anything, but I have to share with you truth. Um, and this is truth from God's Word, as well as truth that, that I believe is prophetic revelation. But a, a season of, of tribulation is coming on Christians, and it came on Christians in this city in Smyrna. Uh, they were slandered. It was very, very painful. And, and the, the persecution actually came from the religious people in the community. It, it started with the Jews that were in the, in the community. You see, um, the, the Jews that were there in that town, really, they were a very corrupt and religious people. They had compromised their faith, and they had leaned into uh, political and social gain and were making agreements with the government and, the, and society, and, and, and it totally watered down who they were, and they loathed the Christians. So what these Jews did in Smyrna is they spread lies to discredit the Christians. Uh, they said, crazy things about them, uh, such as whenever they would get together because the Christians always talked about how they had such deep and intimate fellowship. These people, these Jews were saying, well, they're actually having these sex parties, these orgies. It's terrible. Uh, they said that when, when the Christians practiced a communion, that they were really doing cannibalism. They spread rumors throughout the town that, that because they called themselves a family, because the church, the Christians were like a family, and they called each other even brother or sister, that they were actually neglecting their own home families. So what they did is they twisted this and said, well, these Christians, they're really anti-family because they forsake and they neglect their blood families. So what was happening there is wicked people who hated the Christians they took the truth of what was happening with Christians and they twisted that truth and they made the Christians out to be basically radicals and criminals. Now, today, uh, words and actions or possibly even lack of words and actions are being used against Christians on all types of issues. And this is, is kind of the, the beginning of what I would see as persecution to come. This is nothing like what they faced in Smyrna, but it's the beginning. Here's the truth. Some people will pick and will criticize and will demean and twist and manipulate and even create, create false narratives to bring you down. And you know about that. You've already seen that. But it's coming to the church and it will involve Christianity, I believe. I, I really think that the day is not far off when Christians... Uh, we'll, we'll have to deal with the issues of the scriptures themselves being considered hate speech. I do. I believe that's coming. And therefore, the people who quote the scriptures will be criminals quoting hate speech. So basically, you know, if you're not virtue signaling in today's culture, you're a wicked person. 
But the day's going to come, I, I feel so strongly that, that there will be a time when regulations and restrictions and legislation will literally forbid churches and home groups from assembling. It's going to happen in the days to come. I, I know because, I mean, it's prophesied in the Word of God, but it's also already happening in California. And this is, I, I still believe this is very real persecution of churches and Christianity. Now, since then, I've actually heard some people, some good Christians say, well, it's okay if they shut down the churches because we'll just all meet in our homes. Well, if you're in California, no, you won't. So this, the, the enemy knows what he's doing because California has also forbade home groups. They forbid singing when you get together and even reading scripture out loud together. So that's today's culture. That's today's world. And don't think it's just going to stay there in California. It's going to try to find its way. The enemy's behind this. It's not people. I don't see it as a political issue. It's not a COVID issue. It's not, it's not a, uh, a government issue. No, it's a spiritual issue. We are facing a spiritual issue. Now, in Smyrna, they were imprisoned and even killed for holding on to Christian doctrine. Now, when they were imprisoned, uh, that would meant that they would go into a rat-infested dungeon and that there would be like human excrement and there wouldn't be much light. Uh, there would be just hardly, hardly any food. Uh, when they were killed, which we'll read about in a second, that, that means they'd be thrown into the arena. Smyrna had an arena where they would feed people to wild beasts, burn people at the stake, and they would all do it for sport. So, we also know something from church history that in Smyrna there was a bishop or a pastor that was um, that was discipled by John. John is the one who's receiving the book of Revelation to give to these churches. Uh, this 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 person who was discipled by John, his name was Polycarp, and and when he was in his eighties, so he was definitely up in years later on, uh, that he was one who suffered death as a result of, uh, of this persecution. Now, I believe that Polycarp, who history talks about Polycarp, but I believe he was the angel or the star, the messenger of the church at Smyrna. Now, here's, let me give you a little bit of history. The Roman governor had sentenced uh, Polycarp to death because he wouldn't worship Caesar, and he continued with the Christian teachings. Uh, according to the, the stories, the governor, uh, he, he begged him. He said, deny your faith, worship Caesar, and, and I'll spare your life. And Polycarp responded with these very famous words. He says, I have served my master 80 and 6 years. How can I now deny his name? So what they did is they built up a place where they were going to burn Polycarp alive in the arena. Uh, so they put the wood out, put the stake out, and, and the fire was lit. And, uh, and according to what they say is that the wind blew the fire away from him and, and they, it wouldn't burn him. In fact, all of this is in an incredible book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's, it's great reading. I picked up the book and read it about 10 years ago, and it really, really uh, was riveting for my life is in my walk with God. But they ordered then uh, the, the guards to stab Polycarp to death. So he, they did. And so the pastor of the Smyrna church was faithful in persecution to the death 
for Jesus Christ on that very day. It's kind of ironic, though, that this happened because the worst persecution was taking place in probably the most beautiful, advanced, uh, culturally astute city in that region. And so it is today. Now look in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. Let's see what Jesus says to John uh, to communicate to the pastor at Smyrna. All right, here he is, verse, uh, Revelation 2, 8. He says this, it says, To the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is first and last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison. Again, notice it's the devil, the enemy that is, is motivating people, okay? Even when they say the Jews are of the synagogue of Satan, it's not that they're fighting the Jews or the Roman leaders, they're fighting hell, okay? Our weapon is against, our our, our our battle is against darkness. It's against hell. It's not against people, all right? So he goes on to say, uh, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Very interesting because I do believe when it even says some of you will be uh, uh, given uh, taken to the point of death, they're even speaking of Polycarp, which did happen about 50 years after this letter was written. So one thing I want to draw your attention to, though, is in verse 11, it says, to the one who is victorious the one. It doesn't say to the church. It doesn't even say to a group of people or a family. It says to the one. So that speaks of individual responsibility. So here's my question. What are you going to do with God's word today? You have individual responsibility. Now, I have a responsibility before God to teach all of God's word to you. That's why I'm not skipping over this one today. And it's important that we hear it. But what are you going to do with this? Because the responsibility on my end is to communicate, is to, is to be the messenger to give God's word to you. You have individual responsibility to act on what you hear. So my encouragement is listen to what God is saying and take action. What are you going to do? Because my goal is to equip you to overcome in this uh, end of the age culture. And I want you to know how to be an overcomer. Uh, last week, I talked a little bit about what it meant to be an overcomer, and and uh, just a reminder of this, to be an overcomer means that you have prevailed, you have subdued the enemy, that you have conquered, and that you've gotten the victory. So that's what it means to be an overcomer. Uh, and and I, I believe with all my heart that a great awakening is coming to America. I believe that there is a pandemic of faith and love and victory but it will be led by people who are overcomers. And that's one of the reasons I'm training you and I'm teaching you on how to be overcomers. I want to be a part of that, and I want you to also. But, but it means that we have to take a good hard look at where we are as individuals right now and take individual action. 
because I believe that what God's about to do is going to be led by fearless Christians that are grounded in faith and grounded in the Word. All right, now let's go back and let's take a look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, I want to break this down a little bit because I, I want us to see the full content of what Jesus is saying to them. He says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Now, I think that's important to, to look at that because we do live in an imperfect world. Uh, good and evil coexist in this world that we're in. And if you're suffering some kind of affliction of some type, it's, it's important to notice this, is that doesn't necessarily mean that you're evil. Affliction doesn't mean you're a bad person necessarily. Afflictions come and go. There's some wrong teaching that's out there that says if something bad happens to you, uh, that you did something wrong. God's mad at you. God's getting back at you. Or something bad happens to someone else. Well, God's showing them. God's teaching them. That's, that's dangerous. And I'm asking us to not go, go there. In fact, some of you right now, you're facing some horrible circumstances, and, and I'm just challenging you, be grounded in God's Word. I want you to know what God's Word really says, because Psalm 34, King David wrote these words, and he, he wrote it into a song and had the people sing it. In Psalm uh, 34, verse 19, he said this, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all many afflictions for righteous people, but, but God brings deliverance. My challenge to you here is to be an overcomer and know this is your afflictions, your pain. It's not a punishment from God. Some of you, you're beating yourself down. You need to stop that. You see, God says he'll deliver you. It doesn't say God will think about you delivering you from your afflictions. And it doesn't say the Lord will deliver you from a few of your afflictions. No, it says he'll deliver you from all of your afflictions. And that alone should build your faith. Uh, God, God cares about you. God's not going to burden you with affliction forever. And affliction doesn't mean that God is getting you back for that bad thought or what you did last year or six, ten years ago. All right. Now, now, Jesus goes on to say something about wealth here, and I want to take this a step further because in verse 9, he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you're rich. So it kind of speaks to issues of wealth there, and, uh, and I think we need to address that as well because that can be a little confusing, but the Bible as a whole speaks to this. Um, Smyrna was a very wealthy city, and in fact, we live in a very wealthy culture as well, but for some reason, these Christians weren't experiencing that material wealth. Yet Jesus says to them, yet you are still rich. All right. Okay. Now this is part of being an overcomer, because if you're going to be an overcomer in these days, you need to understand this. Your wealth is not dictated by your bank balance. And yeah, I mean, things might be tight for you financially and things might even get tighter, but Jesus said, you are rich. And I know it's a paradox, but, but here's the deal. I do not want you to be con, uh, consumed with money and making money because when you become consumed with that, of course you should earn money, but when you're consumed with that, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10, just write that down, 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 10. Look at it later because it actually says that you have fallen into a trap and you've set yourself up for ruin and destruction. That's a bad place to be. Now, 
Regarding money, uh, there's nothing wrong with having money or even lots of it, but what's wrong is the selfish pursuit of money. Uh, having a biblical view on wealth, I believe, is critical for the church to understand, uh, not only for today, but in the days to come. Uh, because true wealth is reflected by, according to the scriptures, three things. It's by doing good deeds, it's by personal generosity, and it's by sharing. Uh, I, I want you to take a look at, at, at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. Uh, Paul was speaking to Timothy, actually telling Timothy what he needed to be preaching and teaching to his church. And uh, Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6, 18. He says, command them, in other words, command the people in your church to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. In this way, oh, this is good, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. <laughs> okay, so really what he's saying here is you need to do good to someone else and someone most likely who will have no thought of even returning anything back your way. Consider where you can do that and just begin to do it. Um, we always say this around here, we're a generous church filled with generous people. And generosity is the opposite of stinginess. So we, around here, we not only think about others, but we act on it. And that's my challenge to you today. Do it even when nobody's looking. Sure, with our tithes and our offerings, but, but when nobody else is there to applaud you for it, what are you doing to be generous? Because when you are generous, you possess true riches and wealth. And uh, this is all about living a faith life. And, and Paul said, this is cool. And I, I, I'll just tell you, I don't understand what this means. Maybe you do. You can be a whole lot smarter than me. And, and I, I'm glad you are. But it just says that we, when we do these things, we are literally heaping up some sort of treasure for the coming age. And that's what we would call heaven. Uh, and that treasure will actually become a foundation for our eternal lives. Go figure. I don't know. I don't understand it. But every time you are generous, every time that you share, every time that, that you are going out of your way to bless others and bless God's kingdom, all you're doing is building up a foundation for yourself for eternity. I say that's smart. Actually, that's biblical wealth, and that mindset is a mindset of overcoming the world. Now, I want to get to the crux of this message, though, because the next part is, is about being an overcomer by refusing to be afraid of persecution. And, uh, and, and the scripture tells us that persecution is actually a test uh, because we are Christians, and God will test us with various forms of persecution. And the things we have seen in this nation up to this point with persecution is, it's, a, it's not persecution. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I've, I dealt with even people this last week uh, on the streets in the city <laughs> when I was doing an invocation, you know, crying about, their, uh, about being persecuted for their faith because of, they were wearing, they had to wear like a mask to, to go into a city meeting, a county meeting, and I... I mean, regardless of where you stand on masks, I, uh, that, that's not the issue. That's not Christian persecution. No, no. 
the things that we think is persecution right now, it, that that is ridiculous. And and if you're going there with your thoughts of persecution, I'll just I'll just call you out right now and say you're wrong, <laughs> because persecution is something that's really intense, and that has everything to do. It has everything to do with your affiliation with other Christians, with your believing in the Word of God, and living out your faith. All right. So Revelation chapter two verse ten says this. It says. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Now, that terminology, 10 days, it's really a Greek uh, figure of speech. That just means you're going to be under persecution for a little while. So don't let it consume you, especially when you're looking in the vast uh, expanse of eternity Persecution, even on this earth, is for a little while. But today in our nation, we are at war against enemies of unbelief, uh, New Age, and anarchy, and lawlessness, and Marxism, and, and ethnic groups rising up against each other. And, and, and uh, I've already taught extensively on this, is that Jesus prophesied these things would happen prior to the great and awesome day of the Lord. In fact, uh, some people in our nation have already recently publicly declared that, uh, that their agenda is to fight against Christians, to, to fight against families, to fight against the Word of God and burning Bibles. And now, this is really just the beginning of persecution, although most of us don't feel it yet. I want to be clear with you now, though. Politics is not the solution. It isn't. The solution is the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and that's living this thing out. The solution is raw Christianity, and that's what I'm calling you to. I'm not calling you to political action. I am calling you to raw Christianity. Jesus said this in, in uh, John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. In fact, be encouraged. He says, I have overcome the world. Get this, since we live in Christ and he overcame the world, then we also have overcome the world. That's why we find our anchor in Jesus. And so my challenge again is for you to be an overcomer and to remain faithful through the end of your earthly life, just like Jesus did. Now, take a look at verse 10 again in Revelation chapter 2, because he goes on to say this in the middle of that verse. He says, be faithful even to the point of death. Now, being faithful has two connotations that I want you to hear today. Uh, being faithful means being full of faith, and that's usually how I describe it. Uh, again, that's about resisting a spirit of fear, uh, being a good steward of your resources. That's, that's being faithful. But being faithful also means this. It means to stick with your faith when the times get tough. And I'm saying no matter what's going on, be an overcomer. Uh, let nothing hinder or alter your faith. I, I am calling the church and I'm calling us to indulge in faithfulness now. Because the current situations in this world of false religion and, and uh, political strife and 
plague and violence and lawlessness and economic strain and, and uh, family stress and broken relationships. Do not let those things uh, shake your faith in God. No, you are an overcomer because you are in Christ who has already overcome the world. And that's why in that last part of Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, it goes on to say, Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the victor's crown. And I wonder if, because this was actually written to the pastor or the, the, the leader of that church in, uh, in Smyrna, if Polycarp read that, received it, and recognized that he was to be faithful even to the point of death, and he was going to receive a victor's crown. And if these words rung in his ears some 50 years later, when he was being burned at the stake and stabbed to death for his faith, I wonder. I don't know what's to come, but 50 years from now, or 20 years, or 5 years, will you stand firm? And will you be even be willing to be faithful to death for Jesus? He says you'll, you'll, get, you'll get the victor's crown. Again, this is written to a Greek audience, and so Jesus knew what he was doing when he was saying that. And uh, the winners of sporting events at those times, because they had the arena, they had the sporting events, they would receive this victor's crown, which would have been a wreath that they uh, wore on their heads. What did the victor's crown meant? Well, it meant this. It meant you have prevailed, you have subdued the competition, you have conquered, you have overcome, you deserve the victory crown. And that is exactly what Jesus says comes to you when you overcome the world by living in him. I mean, will you be a, uh, wise enough and, and hungry enough to allow your life to be controlled by the spirit of God and by the word of God instead of other people's opinions, social media, the media itself, uh, fear, isolation, or political arguments? Or are you going to become an overcomer? <laughs> Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, Jesus wraps it up with these words. He says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. He's calling us to listen. If you got ears, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. See, this is when we have personal responsibility right now. Hear what God is saying, not just to the church of Smyrna, but to all the churches. Hear, as an end-time, end-of-times believer, what the Spirit of God is saying to the church in America through these uh, letters to these seven churches. What is God saying to you? Listen, hear, understand this, is that when you're victorious which is the same word as being an overcomer, when you're an overcomer, you're not going to be hurt by the second death. Um, Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 tells us what the second death is. Uh, John says this later on. He says the lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And that's actually very sobering. If your name is not in the book of life, your ultimate destiny is this lake of fire. Now, no matter how good you are, you will not escape the second death. You can do all kinds of nice things and good things, but your name needs to be written in the book of life. And uh, Jesus made a way for that through his blood. 
he was persecuted, he died, and he rose again. In just a moment, when we celebrate communion, we're celebrating what Jesus did so that we can live in him. Really, what I'm calling you today is to simply die to yourself. It's not about you, but it's about Jesus. Understand what's happening on this earth and where we are on this earth. These t- this is all very fleeting. This is very, this is very small in the huge timeline of eternity. But what we do now is critical because it positions us for where we're going to be standing in eternity. So we minimize the tough things, but we need to maximize what we're doing and how we're living and how we're actually committing not only our lives to Christ, but getting other people to commit their lives to Christ. Guys, I'm telling you what, that's what really counts in this day and age. You want to be an overcomer? That's how to do it right there. I'm asking you to slow down, back away from all of the things the world is trying to pull you into because it's dangerous. Instead, get your eyes on Jesus. Get simple faith again and run back to him. That's where this church is. And this church will stand strong as we move into these end of times. This church will stand victorious because we know that our place is in Christ. It is in Jesus. First of all, I want to pray for those of you who might be struggling with your faith right now. You might be struggling with your uh, with, with, with where you stand. You may not feel like you can even um, you can even move forward because of all the things that are swirling around in your head and your mind. You might be fearful. I, I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for strength and confidence for you. We receive this prayer right now. If that's you, receive this prayer. God, I, I, I pray right now for every man and woman and child who hears these words people who have been struggling with where they fit in this end of time scheme of things and and feel beat down or feel like they don't even have the strength to stand up anymore for you oh jesus i pray that you will give them strength and encouragement and vitality like they've never known before and i pray for the blessing of god to overcome and to overtake every single one of us god we choose to live in christ to live in you lord because you have already overcome the world so if we're going to be overcomers we run to you we choose to live in you God, I pray that our faith in these days will be strong and be solid. Let us be people who love the Word of God, who love prayer, and who are seeking you regularly and diligently in Jesus' name. I also pray, Holy Spirit, that you will pour your Spirit out. Pour your Spirit out upon us like we've never seen or known it before, God, because we need it and we desire it in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, if you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, well, I want you to receive him because in just a moment, we're going to do communion. I hope they'll do even do communion at home if you're watching. And to prepare yourself for communion, the Bible says you're supposed to examine yourself. I'm going to ask you to examine yourself right now, to examine where you are spiritually. Are you in right relationship with God? Are you living for Christ? Have you accepted Christ into your life as your Savior and Lord? And if you haven't, oh, I just want to tell you, there's so much goodness for you on the other side. He wants to forgive your sins, to wipe you clean, and take away that debt of sin as if you've never sinned. And that's 
flat out amazing. And if that's you, I want you to pray these words with me right now. Just pray them out loud. In fact, congregation, I want you to pray these words also as an encouragement to those who are in the service right now, who are praying this, who are giving their lives to Christ. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation. I give my life to you. Today, I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Just by praying that, you are a Christian. You are a follower of Christ. Now, follow him. Live in him. Die to self. It's not about you. It is about Jesus. Now, as we move into this time of communion, I encourage you to open your heart wide. And I want you just to remember this. Jesus gave his life. He sacrificed his life for us. And communion can take on kind of a different angle today because we talked about persecution to the death. Not many sermons are about that. You probably don't hear much about that, but it's all through the scriptures. But that's what Jesus faced. And even when we partake of communion, what we're doing is we're saying we are relating to what he did. And we understand that and we respect it. And that's a part of us too. I tell you what, it's beautiful. Communion is holy and it's beautiful. The body of Christ, the blood of Jesus. He sacrificed so much for your sins. And I want you just to take these next few moments and enjoy them as you are in the presence of God. We'll do communion and then just a little bit of worship after that. I love you. God bless you. And I hope to see you live next Sunday. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.